0: Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey, God bless you. P.A. here, Pastor Adam Bird, and I'm so excited that you would spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation New Jersey. And listen, we are continuing our series uh, through the book of 1 Corinthians. It's a series we've entitled uh, A Beautiful Mess. And listen, uh, this morning, I want to make you feel something. I want you to feel something. And so, uh, listen, I've I've entitled our message uh, today, our, our talk, Um, is this, how far would you go to find home? How far would you go in order to find home? And so um, uh, I guess I'll I'll start our story here this morning with, um, uh, I I, I watched uh, ESPN, they have these ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries, and they did this uh, piece on Arthur. And let me tell you the story of Arthur, if you're not familiar with it. And so it actually begins with a Swedish man by the name of Michael Lindlor and um, Michael as a young man in Sweden could never find kind of his niche his sport that he would do until he caught on to adventure racing adventure racing it was a fringe sport but once you once you caught it if it caught you man you were addicted and, and that was Michael Lindlor and so if you're not familiar with adventure racing um, what it is is it's actually the arena it is the very earth itself um, and these people will travel hundreds and hundreds of miles for one event and and the number one priority in adventure racing is this surviving survival, right? And so, uh, um, the actually, the world championships uh, of adventure racing were taking place in, in Ecuador, and, and Michael Lindlor got his team together, and, and they were off to the races. They were going to run a race, uh, get this, some 435 miles um, uh, through treacherous mountains. They had to go through an Amazon jungle, and then they have to kayak uh, uh, miles and miles uh, down treacherous rivers and swamps. And so, that is the event and boom the guns go off and michael and his team are off and running and and they're doing actually extremely well uh they got to day four of the event and then now fatigue exhaustion uh began to set in and so they they went to one of the rest stations and they they just took a moment to, to get some food and and maybe hopefully just get a little bit of sleep uh and as michael was sitting there uh off the corner of his eye he saw this dog this dog had been, been beaten uh, and been battered. He had a, a bloody wound on his back. And for whatever reason, uh, this dog came over towards Michael Lindor And he wasn't sure if he should even touch him if it was just kind of this diseased, mangy dog. And and yet he felt compassion uh, for this dog. He said no one's ever shown him an act of kindness. And so Michael opened up a piece of his his food pack and he he fed it to this dog. And and unbeknownst to to him, this instant bond would be formed between he uh, and this dog. And so get this, um, as they left then to continue on with the race, the dog followed Uh, he he would stay at a distance but he still stayed pretty tight to Michael uh, and the team and get this the dog followed um, Michael and his team through some of the most treacherous uh, places on all of planet earth man and so the dog was just undeterred and was gonna stay close to this man who had showed kindness to him and so the dog actually began to inspire the team itself and so um, um, they said this about uh, the dog they said uh, uh, he had a he had a wound but he also had a will but you know what he didn't have he didn't have a name and so they decided to name him Arthur like King Arthur because the, despite the fact that he was he was battered and beaten, that there was this regalness, this royalty uh, to this dog, and he became part of their team. And, and what became so fascinating is, is the world media got hold of this and, and the race became less and less important and the story was about Arthur uh, and his team as they were competing uh, in this race. And, and so uh, finally they get to the last leg of the race. It's a 34 mile, Kayak through treacherous rivers and swampland. And so they, they get to the starting uh, point. And so they're, Michael and his team and Ar- Ar- Arthur are about to get in. And, and the, the official says, no. The dog cannot go with you. It's already too dangerous and to add a dog into the equation, it could be deadly. And so they refused to let Arthur go on the trip. And and Michael and the team, they they totally understood, uh, but it broke their heart, but they had to continue on. And so they pushed off in their kayak, but then what did they hear? Arthur had jumped in to the river and was swimming beside them, keeping up on that team. He's, he's as if to convey to them, hey, you didn't leave me and I'm never gonna leave you. And so they, they grabbed the dog and they said, like the race is over, but we're gonna keep going with Arthur on our team. And they put the dog in the kayak and off they go. Uh, eventually um, they would finish the race. Uh, they'd come in 12th place, but it wasn't about the race. It was about Arthur. Because uh, when they they crossed the finish line, uh, Arthur, he collapsed. He wasn't doing well. He was in need of medical attention. And they they just didn't do that stuff uh, over in Ecuador. And they said, in fact, they would have just put the dog down. And Michael, hearing this, he said this, I want to take him home. And so Michael uh, flew uh, Arthur back with him some uh, 6,400 miles back uh, to Sweden. The moment they landed, um, um, it, Arthur was critical, and so they took him uh, right to the veterinary uh, officials, and, and they began surgery, began to work on Arthur. It was it was nip and tuck, but but after surgery and four months of quarantine, Arthur had found home. He traveled some 6,400 miles. To find home. And then at the at the end of the piece, Tom Rinaldi, um, the, the narrator, he gets on and he asks this question. How far would you go? He says this, to fit in, to feel safe, to be connected. How many miles would you cover? He says, over mountains, through jungles, to, to access oceans. He says, How far would you go to find home? And, and I guess that's my question for you today: How far would you go to find home, a place where you belong, right? And so, um, isn't it? It's fascinating that that even ESPN, a sporting network, um, they understand the depth of hu- the human soul that hungers and thirsts for home, a place to belong, a sense of family. And can I tell you something? From the very onset of this church, it's been my continual and constant prayer. Oh, God, please make us a spiritual family. Make us a spiritual family. And so, um... um, uh, for the record, like, uh, and, and I'll, I'll explain that language, spiritual family in a, in a, in a bit here, but uh, like my own spiritual story is I'm a bit of a spiritual mutt, okay? I, I, I grew up as a, a young kid uh, going to Catholic church and Catholic school so I can do the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Hail Mary, and the Lord be with you and also with you, right? I, I can do that. But then um, um, kind of in, in my teenage years, my parents divorced and, and, and I found myself going to a charismatic, Pentecostal church man just like hands up people speaking in tongues people with with flags running around and and so it was charismania right and and so uh, I, I got all this kind of different those two spectrums in my spiritual makeup it was kind of funny um, so all my daughters have ever known is like a care, evangelical charismatic church where you know people will raise their hands and and uh, and they're very expressive in their worship and so to them that's normal but it's funny I I actually took my, my my kids to an, an Orthodox Catholic wedding, and, and the priest came out with all his garb, and, and the priest had like the ashes and the incense going, and he was chanting, Dominus, Dominus, right? And, and to me, it was just normal. That's kind of what they did in church, and my daughters, their eyes were about this big. They're like, Dad, what is he doing? And why is there smoke in here? And why is he talking so funny, right? And so, so it's just funny, it's like wherever you come from, um, you know, I've had like a, a pretty big swath uh, in my, my spirit spiritual uh, makeup and so i just thought that was kind of funny but but i do remember the first time i came to an every nation church and, and i remember uh, the people they, they would just constantly talk about this idea uh, of spiritual family and to shoot you straight i'm like okay this sounds a little cultish to me right so if if you uh, if if they offer a Kool-Aid for the communion i'm out okay i uh, wasn't going to do it but but here's what's so funny for whatever reason um, their message it really resonated with me making disciples God has a plan and a purpose for your life You know oftentimes like people will, will say this that, that this idea of spiritual family It's caught before it's taught in other words like you experience it and you go Oh, I think this is what they're talking about and when I came come to every nation Something kind of resonated in my spirit and I realized I had found my people I had found home, my spiritual family. And so um, if you still feel somewhat uncomfortable with this language of spiritual family, um, do you know Jesus was actually quite comfortable with it? (laughs) Like uh, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 50, um, it, it, it says this. It says, Uh, While he was still speaking, and so that's Jesus, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister." And mother, and so Jesus seems to be pretty good with this idea of of spiritual family, brothers and sisters. You know, Uh, even when the, the disciples ask, like Jesus, teach us to pray. How does he begin? He says, "You're to pray this way: Our Father." Right? It's this idea that God is our Father, and He's our Father. Um, that makes us brothers and sisters. And so, uh, if you ever come to Every Nation New Jersey, like someone might call you, Hey, brother. Hey, sister. And it's not just because we can't remember your name. <laughs> it's also because we really believe there's a spiritual reality that, that somehow, that because God has become our Father, that we've become brothers and sisters uh, to walk together. We've become spiritual family. And so... Um, Before we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today, I I don't want to over-romanticize the idea of family, right? So um, uh, listen, uh, here's a a picture, you should see an image coming up on the screen, it's it's a a family picture we had done, and right, just, um, I know I'm I'm rocking the mullet, right, I I was wearing it well, And, and my lovely wife beside me, and my two beautiful young daughters, and with their little angelic faces, can I just tell you something? There aren't little angels. There were little demons that day, okay? Especially the oldest one. She's pinching and aggravating the little one. The little one's blowing up, crying, and they're, then my, you know, now my wife and I can have intense fellowship uh, over that stuff, and then you just gotta wait, ksh, ksh, snap the picture, right? And so, uh, I'm under no guise that that you know, hey, family's always just this beautiful lovey-dovey thing. And similarly, can we agree that, that oftentimes in, in church, um, there can be drama and issues, but you know what? Just like in family, man, you love each other despite certain things. And, and it's the family that keeps us anchored in, that we can all work through our junk. And you know, it's the same way uh, in church, uh, in a spiritual family. And so today we're going to highlight in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's going to highlight there's some divisions, some splitting, some ripping uh, in the church, and, and people are are arguing and disputing and dividing over ridiculous things like spiritual gifts. And so Paul's going to illustrate with this metaphor saying that the church is, is like a body. And so like every body, there's there's many members, right? But there's only one body. And so that's kind of the big idea. And so uh, let's start in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, uh, verses 12 through 14. Uh, he's going to highlight this, that there's unity in family. There's unity in family. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12, it says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. Right, And so, so if you're familiar with the scriptures, there'll be various um, metaphors for the church. Uh, Jesus will say that the church is like a bride. He'll say that the church is like a building, right? The church is like a body. The church is like an army. Um, can I just add one more metaphor? What the heck? I would submit to you, man, that the church is like a hockey team, all right? Work with me here, all right? So, uh, before we get into that, I, I want to give you a, a list of things uh, that I learned from playing, uh, playing pro hockey. All right, you ready for this? Uh, the first thing I learned uh, by playing pro hockey all these years uh, was this I don't think I want my daughters to marry a hockey player. <laughs> I've been in the locker room. I don't know that I want that for my girls. Uh, number two is this um, I, I learned that you can use the F bomb and other profanity as adjectives, adverbs, pronouns, um, um, conjunctions, uh, proper nouns, right? I just, I watch these people, I'm like, oh man, you're, you're 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 butchering uh, these these curse words, right? And so uh, I also learned this, Uh, pro hockey taught me this, that flying commercial stinks, (laughs) right? Man, we used to fly in private planes and stuff like that, and it was amazing. And and can I uh, tell you, lastly, here's what I learned, is I learned that I can walk with very, very different men and be united for a common cause and a mission. And to the degree we're willing to unite, is the degree uh, that we can collectively win, right? And so um, uh, uh, we, we we were one team with many members. And, and can I tell you, like, there is all kinds of, of different dynamics that go in uh, to a professional hockey team. Like, like, there's different geopolitical um, uh, things to deal with. There's ethnic things to deal with. Um, let me let me give you a few of the examples. So, for example, do you know that that French Canadians and English-speaking Canadians, for the most part, don't care for one another? <laughs> that that you have Americans and Russians. How are we doing geopolitically right now? Right? Not the best of friends uh, on the same team that they have Czechs and Slovaks who they can't stand one another, uh, right? And so we get all these different dynamics going on, how many know that should be a powder keg and blow up and explode. But they don't. Because once you put the jersey on, you put all that other trash behind you. That becomes secondary and your oneness in that jersey, it becomes primary. And it's, it's like that in the church. So um, uh, stay with my hockey illustration, Uh, March 6th, 1999, uh, a very uh, important day in history. It's the day I got traded. I was traded from the Carolina Hurricanes up to the Philadelphia Flyers. And I can still remember the first time I walked into the Philadelphia Flyers dressing room that had become my dressing room. First guy I see, a a man by the name of Rick Tockett. Now, Tock and I, we fought when he was in Boston. Um, He was a lot tougher than me. And just to prove it to you, he hit me with a left so hard, he shattered uh, the left side of my face, uh, leaving me with like 13 plates and and nine screws uh, in it. All right. And so that was uh, Rick Tockett was now a teammate. Uh, Did I mention too, the second guy I meet in there is Rod Brendamore. Rod the Bod. And Rod the Bod and I, we had fought the week prior to this. Uh, Once again, uh, I didn't do very well in the fight, but I don't want to talk about that this morning. Uh, And then thirdly, I meet another guy. Uh, His name is Keith Jones. Uh, For the record, Keith, if you're watching this, you know it's true. Keith is an amazing guy, amazing teammate, but Probably the worst body in the NHL, uh, and guess what? I had fought him when he was in Washington, and once again, I didn't do very well. To this day, I still have a degree of self-hate in, not, in losing that fight, <laughs> all right? But, but, but I say all that to say this. You know, uh, on March 6th, uh, 1999, that, that we were once enemies, and on that day, suddenly we became brothers. Like, like we no longer fight with one another, but we fight for one another. And that is a picture of the church. Despite our difference, differences politically, ethnically, uh, economically, culturally, whatever it may be, despite our differences, man, once you put on uh, Jesus Christ, you become part of a team. You become one together and everything else becomes secondary, right? See there's something that supersedes our differences. Um, Paul's going to say, he mentioned it in our text, that we're baptized into one spirit. Can I tell you, um, uh, like one of the coolest baptisms I've ever performed was uh, I, I baptized uh, four people on this one instance. And so the first person was Evie. Uh, Evie was part of a vampire cult. Uh, she had piercings all over her face. Sometimes like when you would talk to her, you didn't know where to look, you know, and uh, and guess what? Jesus saved her and she was baptized in the waters of baptism. That there was another uh, a man he was in his mid 80s, right? Russian man spoke very little English. In fact, he wanted to show that he was still strong like a bull, and he did some dips on the baptismal before I, we dunked him in, and he became a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, that there was a, a, another, a 20 year old uh, uh, exchange student from China. Uh, she spoke very little English, but she knew that she uh, had met Jesus and wanted to be baptized. Pshh. And then lastly, a nine-year-old little girl that we baptized in the name of Jesus. And here's what I want to ask you. What on earth do those uh, people have in common? I'll tell you what they have in common. Him. Him. In our relationship to Him, our oneness uh, in Him supersedes everything else, all of our differences are swallowed up in the one thing that unites us. We are united in one spirit. And so there's unity in family. And uh, point number two is this, that there's there's also diversity in family. In other words, uh, there's unity, but there's not uniformity. And, uh, and I hope you'll see how wonderful that is here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 15 to 19, Paul says this, uh, with the, once again, keeping with the body metaphor, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, which to me is hysterical, uh, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, get this, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? And so that there there's diversity in family, and so Paul's big idea is this how tragic would it be if, if the body, all it was, uh, was the nose, right? And, and also, so all we could do is smell, but we've, we've lost the sense of seeing, hearing feeling, right? It would be this, this tremendous loss for the body. It would be tragic. Um, for some of you, some of you had COVID and you never even thought taste was that big a deal until you got COVID and you lost uh, all your taste and you realized, wow, taste, it's such a gift to the body you know there's a so i'm embarrassed i'm going to use this illustration anyways all right so there's a there's a guy in my church his name is dan cisco dan i hope you're watching man i've i've told him this to his face but dan has the most mesmerizing blue eyes i mean this dude has amazing blue eyes and i know that's weird because i'm another dude saying that but here's what i do know as cool and as mesmerizing as that those blue eyes are if i was to take that eye out of the body right? What happens to that beautiful eye? It becomes a horror show, right? And and everyone loses. The eye loses, and the, and Dan loses, right? And so um so we we desperately need one another, and so we need to celebrate our differences, the unique things that make us you, and and we add them to the body of Christ. It actually completes the church. And so I, I love in verse eighteen that we read that Paul says that 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 God chooses, He chooses where the members go in the body of Christ or in the church. And so, so you know what? It really it appears to me that that the Bible and Paul really seem to think that the church is less about me choosing where's convenient. What kind of worship do I like, right? do I like the preaching over here? And it's much more, it's God chooses, God chooses, that God places us um, where there's a need uh, that you can fill and as well that you can be ministered and grow. The body, we're we're, uh, interdependent uh, of one another. It's God's plan. He chooses. So, um. Pastor Shino Prater, he uh, he actually uh, uh, co-chaplains with me with the New York Jets, and and uh, and I, I remember I was asking Shino, hey man, what's your favorite movie? And and Shino like really pulls something out of left field. He's like Sea Biscuit. And I'm like, dude, that is the lamest pair. What are you talking about? And then I watched it. Man, I was crying like a baby watching a Seabiscuit, right? And if you're not familiar with the story, it's about this amazing thoroughbred Seabiscuit. And, and at the time, War Admiral uh, was, was the champion of the world. He was the standard. And, and so they were, they were to set up this epic race uh, between Seabiscuit and War Admiral. And here's what's so fascinating is, is the trainer was coaching up the guy who was to ride Seabiscuit. And he said this. He said Seabiscuit start, starts fast, so so let him go early, and so Seabiscuit he's going to get out front early. He says, uh, but then War Admiral likes to close at the end, and so but he says, here's what I want you to do. When when War Admiral starts to kick and close at the end, he says I want you to pull back on Seabiscuit, and he's like, pull back. We need to get going so we can win the race, and he says, nope. Pull back Because the moment Seabiscuit sees another horse uh, going stride for stride with him, he snaps and goes to places unheard of. And sure enough, Seabiscuit ran the race. And I want to tell you this, I want to be like Seabiscuit, man. Um, I want to run with spiritual thoroughbreds that are going to push me faster and further than I ever imagined possible. Because I need you and you need me, the body of Christ. We, We need one another. We're family, right? And listen, I, I know this is, might blow your mind, but uh, man, I am, I am like, I'm only good at like one or two things. I was good with a hockey stick and a Bible and pretty much everything else I stink at, okay? <laughs> it's just the truth. And, and similarly, you know what? Um, God's given me a grace to, to teach the scriptures, all right? That's, my, that's kind of my lane. But you get me out of my lane, and bro, it, it can be ugly. And so if, if you're an evangelist, praise God, I need you. I need you someone who's burdened to reach lost people with the gospel cuz the real I'm not very good at it. <laughs> um if you have the gift uh, you have a pastoral gift man, that you love sitting with people, counseling people. Man, praise God. We, we need you. Uh, come be a part, right? Come build in, in the body of Christ and our family, because I'm not very good at that, right? I'm kind of like, hey, bro, just get over it, okay? <laughs> uh, some, some of you have a mercy and compassion gift. Come and, and flow in your gift. Uh, be you, fully you, so we can be fully uh, us. And so, Areas where, where I'm weak, praise God that there's other who are, others who are super strong in that. And together we complement one another and we challenge one another to go faster and further in our mission and our calling. And so there's unity in the family. There's diversity in the family. And point number three is this. There's security in the family. Security in the family. Let's go on in 1 Corinthians 12 verses 20 to 26. Uh, it says this. Uh, As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our body, uh, our, our more presentable parts, do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same. And here's the money line for me: may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So um, let, me, let me illustrate this way. So uh, maybe a, a little tagline, a little side infomercial. Do you know uh, uh, October th- uh, 3rd through 7th, we're having our, our Every Nation Go Conference? It's actually a, a gathering globally uh, of our ministry. we will meet in, in Cape Town, South Africa. And when I heard uh, Cape Town, South Africa, South Africa, I, I was reminded of the battle uh, at Kruger National Park. And Kruger National Park is in, in South Africa, and it's, it's one of the largest animal wildlife preserves on the planet right and and i remember uh you can youtube this thing the battle at kruger pass and it's unbelievable man it shows uh, a tour guide is is videotaping as they see this kind of herd of buffalo and what happens a baby buffalo gets loose out of the herd, out of the community, and you know what's gonna happen, Uh uh-oh. And sure enough, this little buffalo on his own, the the camera pans off and you can see a pride of lions hiding in the tall grass. This is not gonna go good for little buffalo, right? And sure enough, um, they actually chase down this little buffalo down to, to this little moat and you think uh, the lion grabs a hold of him, and you think, oh, just when you think it couldn't get any worse, a crocodile comes out of the moat, grabs the buffalo, and there's this tug of war between this poor baby buffalo, this lion, uh, and a crocodile. But what you don't see is in the background, the herd of buffalo gather together and they move in on the lion. The crocodile spits out the buffalo and heads back into the water. The lion spits out the baby buffalo and looks up and this herd come in and they actually, they flip this lion uh, at least 15 feet up in the air. That lion goes running off and baby buffalo gets back into the herd, right? (laughs) And so that, my friend, is a picture of spiritual family. Of community, how we pray and we contend with one another. There's security in family because everybody knows there's safety in numbers. There just is. Like like you know that nature knows uh, that there's there's safety in numbers. So um, yeah, I've, I've used this illustration before, but do you know the redwood tree? And I think we have an image of it. It is enormous. It can grow up to 350 feet high. Just for a little context, the Statue of Liberty is only 305 feet high, right? So this tree is massive, but here's what's so fascinating. Uh, Its roots only go down about 6 to 12 feet, but they go out close to 100 feet laterally. And with the the vines and the roots, they, they, they gather hold with other redwood trees and they bind together and they become immovable. Right, so nature knows there's strength in numbers. The animal kingdom knows there's strength in numbers. So the lion historically is called the king of the drunk jungle. It just ain't true. Um, you know, like uh, when you get a tiger uh, was to take on a lion, the tiger would win every time. It's larger, more powerful, and more fierce, right? And so the tiger would beat the lion. However. If you get five tigers to fight against five lions, the lions would win every time because the lions have learned to fight together with one another and for one another, and it makes them a, a deadly force, right? So so even the animal kingdom knows their strength in numbers. And even lastly, do you know that the spirit realm knows that their strength in numbers, like the demons know it. In, in Matthew chapter 12, uh, Jesus is talking about when when a demon is cast out. That demon will go get seven other demons, stronger than itself, uh, and try and come back in uh, to possess someone. See, because it knows that there's strength in Numbers. And here's my question, if, the, if nature knows that there's strength in Numbers, if the animal kingdom knows it, if the spirit realm knows it, why don't we? Like why don't we, why, why as Christians, That so many times uh, do we isolate and we pull ourselves out of Christian community, right? You know what happens? It makes you vulnerable and it makes the body of Christ weak. And so, see, we were designed uh, one for, for another, that there's security uh, in family. And, and uh, I, I love that that verse in verse 25. We read that it says that, that we care for each other. Like we care for one another. We carry each other's burdens. Like that's familial family language uh, to me. And so, uh, I don't know why I'm on this animal kick this morning, okay? But bear with me. And so, I think we have an image of a sea otter. Like, have you seen these things? Are they the cutest things ever? Like, I want one of those. <laughs> and so, like, but here's what's so cool about the sea otter. Do you know oftentimes that they'll connect with other sea, sea otters and they'll float on the water. And you know what they call a group of sea otters? They're called, wait for it, A raft. A raft right kind of cool but but here's what I want to let you know about the sea otter do you know at night uh, the sea otter will grab hands uh, with another sea otter they clasp hands when they go to sleep at night because here's what they know if they lose contact that they will drift away and so I I just want to say that again without contact you will drift away I'm gonna say it again without contact You will drift away. And so who do you have on your right hand and your left hand? Who do you have in biblical community, spiritual family that you're doing life with that, that you don't drift away and you're keeping others uh, from drifting, drifting away? It's why we do these things called connect groups. It's so that you can have life on life, someone on your right hand, someone on your left hand, that, that they, they know you and you know them and you're able to keep yourself safe. See, because there is security and family. And so, um, listen, I I just want to encourage you this morning, and I have a very simple message, as does Paul. Man, how far would you go to find home? And I pray that you have a spiritual family, a place where you can go, do life, and be used by God and for God in his kingdom. How far would you go to find home? Let's play. Lord, I just thank you uh, this morning for the privilege of gathering together. And Lord, I know you've heard my prayer that, that God, I pray that here at Every Nation New Jersey, we wouldn't just have a church meeting, uh, just something we do on Sundays. But I pray, God, that you're, you're forming a spiritual family, something only you can do, knit hearts together. I'm praying for those this morning that feel orphaned and alone in their walk with Jesus Christ. Oh, God. I pray that they would find family in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, "Amen, Amen." Every nation. Well, listen, the, the sermon's over with. We're not quite finished. I just wanted to remind you that you can be faithful in your tithing and your giving. A tithe simply means a tenth. We, we believe that uh, a tenth of everything we receive in our finances were to give back to the Lord as a form of worship and obedience. But the great news is this: God says, "I honor those who will honor me." That God will care for us. Um, and so uh, if you're interested in, in remaining faithful in your tithing or would like to support uh, our church and our ministry, there's three ways that you can give. You can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Uh, or you can give via text. My family and I give this way. If you just text the letters E-N-C-N-J to the number 77977, it's a very convenient way to give. Or, or lastly, you can mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless, bless you as you're faithful in your giving. Every nation, God loves you, and I think you're pretty amazing too. Have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.